0: Control
1: the room. Who's that handsome? I got the hiccup! Canvas, <laughs> art and ideas
0: on
2: FBI radio.
3: And I'm your other host, Sabella D'Souza.
4: And this is our first show for 2019. We've had a bit bit of a big break, haven't we? Yeah,
3: we've had a huge break. A well-deserved break. I, I need, agree. I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a little rusty, so excuse any impending technology malfunctions, which is sort of in tune with our first guests of the show. Um, we've got Akil Ahma and Stella McDonald joining us in the studio to talk about an upcoming coming exhibition at UTS Gallery called After Technology.
4: And then we're joined by Sebastian Henry Jones and JD Reformer, and they are coming in to talk about a show called Do You Know This Feeling? It's Very big feels, This exhibition. Yes, looking forward to chatting. Yeah, I'm
3: really excited. What do we do in the break? Because we've been we've been away for a little bit. (laughs) Well,
4: I went to Japan. Yes, I've never been to Japan. Where did you go in Japan? I went everywhere. I still (laughs) I still can't really remember. It's been a. uh, To be honest, I've actually been in bed sick for almost two weeks. Mm. I came back with a very big cough, and um, I don't even really feel like Japan actually happened but real. i have snippets Is of Japan memory a myth? I, I i well <laughs> i went not. to the art islands which was pretty spectacular really beautiful oh
3: did you go to naoshima
4: no i did not oh. unfortunately <laughs> actually no i did yeah. i did go to naoshima <laughs> sorry Thanks. i remember I specifically um I b- I remember specifically hoping to be able to use their electric bikes yes. to get around, yeah. but you see, I don't really ride bikes. I'm not very good at it, mm. and um, I tried. And the people that ran the store,
3: yeah. down were the water, all at the front of the docks, laughing
4: at me oh, no. because I try, I, like I was giving it yeah. a go, and they were like, "No, you better just walk." Yeah. Um, Did you
3: take the bus around?
4: Yes, yes, I did. Yeah. The bus was better. Yeah. Um, it was pretty magical. I went to Disneyland, which was very special. But I also went, like, there's a whole section in Tokyo known for its poster stores. Mm-hmm. And I love Japanese film poster stores. So I felt like I was 12 again. I was so giddy. And, the, like, there were there were piles and piles. I couldn't believe how tall these piles of posters were. And I went through, I think I spent, Three hours in one poster saw, and I found an extraordinary poster b- by Fellini, uh, and it's a, a film called Clowns, and it's nightmarish. It's all pink. It's oh, beautiful. You'll have to send I'll me a photo of I will, it. I will. I will do that. I <laughs> we'll post it
3: on Instagram. <laughs> yes.
4: And you're you're starting honest soon.
3: Yes, I am starting my fatal floor, which is me starting honest. I've moved. Degrees into cultural studies. Wow. Um, I haven't left art behind because I still have my solo show in the middle of the year. On
4: um, Julia Yeah, Roberts? about
3: Julia, about Julia. Julia. I should have sent you on a mission when you were in Japan to get me a poster of Julia oh, Roberts. Ah, yes. I've been looking on eBay if anyone finds a good... Big Julia Roberts size poster, like I a would, cutout. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, love, would, I would love, a cutout of Julia Roberts. It'd be a bit creepy. I could have
4: found a body pillow. Is that what they call <laughs> yes, them?
3: The body yes, body pillow of Julia Roberts.
4: I'm sure they exist I on would, the internet somewhere. I
3: can't get anything delivered to my house, so I always get things delivered to the FBI radio station. Mm. Um, so I've, I would love to send a body pillow of Julia Roberts. I, to I have FBI been guilty radio. of
4: opening some of those <laughs> packages. <too>. Yeah, <laughs> it's David,
3: like Christmas. David loves to. Open been my mail. Uh- <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay.
4: Well, who do we have What we've got someone really special doing our music.
3: Yeah, we have an incredibly special guest music curator that our music producer Laura Hunt found. Um, for the next four weeks to kick off campus for 2019. She actually had her start handing out VHS tapes of her music videos to various clients while she was working at a limousine service. She sung at Rose McGowan's birthday party way back in 1998. Um, she's opened for Marilyn Manson on various occasions. Wow. Um, Jerry Ta- um, <laughs> Jan Terry is our music curator um, with an avid fan following and she'll be curating our tracks today and for the next four weeks and we're really, really lucky to have Very her. Very excited.
4: I can't wait to learn more about Jen. Um, she looks like something, someone John Waters would make a documentary about. Yeah,
3: and she actually has these incredible, she has this very particular style and aesthetic. She, um, I think, was got famous off making a video called, um, like, Losing Out or Losing You, and it was, lots of people made fun of her for it because they were like, oh, this is the worst music video ever, but there's oh. actually such an aesthetic to it now that it is b-
4: it's I, contemporary. I don't know.
3: I see people nowadays in the city music scene making music video clips that are trying to encapsulate mm. what she kind of has done. Um yeah, so I'm very excited. Legendary. Yeah, so to start off, we're going to go to a track from the legend herself, Jan Terry. This is um just another day. Um you're listening to Canvas on FBI Radio 94.5.
4: And Stella McDonald Akil is a multidisciplinary artist Who employs seemingly unrelated sources Like historical anti-colonial literature Looney Tunes films and sneaker advertising Is that right?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, it's true.
4: And it says here in your bio, you also come from an entirely Sagittarius family. Is that true as
3: well? Also true. Are you Um, a Sagittarius, though?
2: I'm a Sagittarius. My birthday's on the 25th, my mum's on the 28th, um, my brother's on the 2nd, and my dad's on the 12th.
3: That's wild. Do you know your extended family's (laughs) (laughs) star signs? I want to see how far back this goes.
2: (laughs) Uh, I don't know, (laughs) but um, they're also all engineers. They're all engineers, Sagittarius.
3: That's really intense.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Rosa Stella MacDonald, who is a curator at UTS Gallery, where she works with artists and curators to develop exhibitions, projects, publications, and public programs, and also was an extra on the set of The Secret Life of Us.
1: It's true. And that
3: was Stella MacDonald. What did I say?
4: Rosa
1: Stella McDonald.
4: Is that your Instagram account? No. Where's Where's Rosa come from?
1: My middle name. It is, but yeah. we don't
4: say it. It's a silent... It's a silent Rosa. It is a silent Sorry. I apologise. Let's all right. clarify. It's no. just Stella McDonald.
3: What was your
1: role on as an extra? Uh, Were I, you just background filler? I was background filler, but I was so short in comparison to one of the like the main actors, that they had to put me on a box to talk to the other actor. That's right. all I remember. It was a long Do time you see, ago. That, have you got that episode? I don't, no. I but to if to anyone out there it. has it, yeah. just send it if through. Can, if you can find <laughs> Stella, <laughs> it could work.
4: Wow. And so we're talk, this exhibition that you put together is all about technology. I want to talk about early memories of technology. Like for me personally, I did not really type an essay on the computer until I was the second year at Kofa. I was so scared. Like the photocopy was photocopy machine was enough for
3: me when it came to technology. I can tell. Yes, <laughs> no. I can tell Thank every you. day when I write the scripts for the show, and I come back; they're beautifully formatted. Everything's Arial, like eleven, yes. and then I come back, and David's like made it like bold and italic Sorry. in some places, and greyscaled. It's beautiful. I love it.
4: Stella, what is your early memory of?
1: technology? Uh, My early memory of technology is living on a sheep farm in rural New South Wales and being given a very early Game Boy that was all in Japanese. And so I didn't know how to use it, uh, but I loved it. But then it's interesting you talk about writing because I was thinking the other day about how I I don't write longhand. I can only write on a computer. It's totally changed the way I write Mm. in terms of being able to change sentences around and Cut and paste. It's interesting the effect. And it kill?
2: Uh, I guess I've always had computers. Like um, I was trying to think of the names of them. We always had names for the different computers that we had.
3: Like you I named, named them yourself.
2: Mm, no, I think they were always like named after like the chip that the computer was um. based off. Yeah, very nerdy family. Um.
3: (laughs) I think my first memory of technology... Well, not my first memory, but my first poignant memory was that my sister used to bully me on Neopets um, (laughs) by (laughs) logging into my account. And she made a... My sister's name is BB, and she used to get the cow Neopet and call it I Hate BB" in all capitals and then, like, dob on me to my parents (gasps) being like, Sabella named me after a cow! Brutal. Um, Yeah, and she also used to, like... Delete my Neopet characters and it was really sad. But it was great. I love technology. (laughs) (laughs) Go and talk more about it.
4: (laughs) Stella, can you tell us about the genesis of this exhibition? Mm.
1: So uh, it's co curated uh, by myself and Eleanor Zeichner, uh, the assistant curator at UTS Gallery. And the prompt for the exhibition really came from our context as a university gallery um, situated in a university of technology. And as we were programming for the year, talking to our audience, talking to our community, we had a lot of people say, can you do an exhibition about technology? Mm. And we would say, sure, what, what would that look like? And there was no real answer. Um, and so it came down to the idea that, or the sort of joke that what would we show computers on a wall, you know, monitors on the floor, uh, old Game Boys, you know, this kind of archive Um, And we thought a more interesting um, approach to the complex question of technology would be to look at um, its effect, uh, how people remember it or think it will change their lives Mm. um, and, and how it does change the way we behave and communicate with each other. And we wanted to look at it initially uh, from a local context, so looking at Australian artists and how they've um, figured technology since the '90s. Mm. And that, uh, at, and above my desk was um, a work from our collection, which is Julie Rapp's Overstepping, which is a very um, well-known image of a foot, a woman's foot that's merged into a high heel. So yes. it's like this uh, yes. fleshy, it's fleshy high yes. heel. And so I, I literally had that above my desk and that became a sort of work mm. that we built the show from.
3: Um, wow. Akil, what sh- work do you have in this show?
2: Um, to work from 2016 um, that I showed uh, at First Draft. Um, and it's kind of like a video installation work, um, which is called Muscular Dreams. Um, which is like a line from um France Fanon's uh Wretched of the Earth. Um but it's uh I don't know, the like the relation to Fanon is like very tangential. And yes. I guess like the tech like it is like uh there is like um this like fleshy distorted um um in it but uh yeah I guess the way in which technology functions in it is like very um I mean, on like a lot of different levels. It's like, um, it's about, it's like, essentially it's about shoes.
1: (laughs) I'm so glad Akhil is here to talk about his work because it's an incredible work and it's dense in the best way. Uh, and having to write about it for the show has been incredibly hard because it addresses so, so many registers, um, not that you wouldn't necessarily get from just looking at the work, uh, which is captivating in and of itself. But Akil narrates the final scene of the Looney Tunes film Space Jam, oh, oh. where Michael Jordan's arm stretches unnaturally across the court to to slam the winning slam dunk of this mm. game. Okay, it
3: all makes sense now. was <laughs> <laughs> so like, I know there's Jordans, I know there's... <laughs> Yes, <laughs>
1: um, And it, it it really comes back, as Akil mentioned, to two things in relation to the show, which is that the show explores the kind of bind of technological process, the problem and the promise of technology, but it also shows in the way Akil works, which is kind of hypertextual. He's, like, referring to Looney Tunes and Fanon and Nike and advertising and, you know, it's just this endless sort of um, network of connections that's really enabled by the working on the internet, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think it's, like, um, what we were talking about before, your first memory. It's, like, I I, I couldn't have... I don't really have a good answer for that because it's, like, so ubiquitous. It's run in
3: parallel with a lot of our lives. It's kind of always, like, technology... I can't really think of a time before technology because I think we always had a computer in my house. Yeah. And also technology exists in so many different forms. At the moment, when we talk about technology, we think computer or smartphone... um, yeah, and it is this idea of how it's extending our communication, not necessarily um, changing it for in a completely inconceivable ways, but in some ways it's just kind of building upon what is the foundations that are already there. Um, yeah, with that in mind, though, <laughs> um, we're going to go straight to our next track by um, picked by Jan Terry. Um, this is Marilyn Manson's song called "The Dope Show." Um, stay with us. This is campus on FBI Radio. Network. was The Dope Show from Marilyn Manson's 1998 album, Mechanical Animals. We're in studio right now with Akil Ahmad and Stella McDonald talking about an upcoming show at UTS Gallery after technology. Um, Akil, you, oh, yeah. hello, hello again. <laughs> um, I was wondering, you actually won or were awarded the John Freeze Award last year. Um, yeah, that's could, true. Yeah, that's a true story. Um, um, and for your work, So the Spaces Between Us Can Stay Soft. Soft, not soft. Um, yeah. could you tell us <laughs> right yeah. I'm renaming it. Um, could you tell us a bit about that work?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, um, it kind of re- also yeah, it relates to the work that's in the show at UTS. There's a line at the end of the work, which is, um, even with my foot against your throat, I hope the spaces between us can stay soft. Um, where it kind of like... Um, I don't know, it skips from this, like, um, narration to this, like, interior, um, um, kind of interior section. Um, And then, I guess, the work for the John Freeze was uh, actually doing that. uh, (laughs) And uh, I thankfully have a wonderful friend, Athena Thebus, who indulged my... um, uh, Yeah, indulged me and stepped on my throat.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, How... I guess, like, have you found other of your works in the past have had that same link between it? Do you find that you're taking an element of something that happened before and then redoing it? Or is this kind of one that's had a kind of tangential relationship to each other?
2: Mm. Yeah, I think there is always, like, kind of, like, little leads running back and forth between... I mean... I guess, like, as Stella was saying before, it's, like, that's kind of the method of production, like, not just references to my, but, like, references between, and, like, kind of drawing lines of logic between, um, kind of historical texts and, like, contemporary, like, contemporary texts and, um, personal history, and it's, like, I don't know, and, like, I guess something that's kind of centered to the work is the voice and this, like, particular kind of, like, ASMR kind of voice which glues everything together. Um, and there's... I don't know, like, when I told Stella what it was, she was, like, what the text was, she was like, oh. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, it kind of, like, functions as this, like, obscuring kind of device, but it also just, like, glues everything together into this um, singular, like, world, which is kind of... Yeah, which is what it is.
3: A singular world, <laughs> a singular ego system. Yeah. Um, you also... Part of the John Freeze orders that you got 10, 10 grand. Yeah, I got ten k. Ten k, no big deal. Um, how have you been spending the money?
2: Um, I just bought a Dyson Airblade V. <laughs> I got rid of my <laughs> towel rack. <laughs>
3: That's, That's incredible. It's the best thing. I think. Yeah, I think it's all around. This isn't a promo for Dyson, but I do believe that it is the best hand dryer. It dries it in ten seconds.
1: <laughs> Your hands are so dry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, Stella, um,
4: there's, there's also you wanted to talk about Rosalind Helper's work. What did they made?
1: So Rosalind Helper has made a new work for the show, which is thrilling for us. Uh, and in it, uh, she has um, approached an ex-girlfriend, a woman she dated for a little while. Um, their relationship played out over Tinder and text message. Um, and ended online as mm. well. Um, so she approached this woman and asked her to restage their, their relationship and consequent breakup face to face. So the video wow. shows them talking to each other, uh, rereading the text messages to each other. Right. Um, that's like that's my intense. nightmare. It is excruciating, <laughs> absolutely excruciating. It's very brave um and it's incredible that um that Karen the woman agreed to do it but she did um and and it really it really shows that different register of communicating online and the kind of dis- dissonance between how we speak to each other in person how we speak to each other online
4: is Karen going to come to the opening I don't know <laughs> That will be interesting. That's hilarious. I, I they even coming to the opening
3: painful. just to try and figure this in,
1: out. In some cuts I've seen, I think Karen says, I'd never want to see this ever again.
0: Wow. Okay.
3: Yeah, Incredible. I don't think I'd ever want to read out any text I've ever
1: sent to anyone. That's right. Yeah, that's why it's painful it for everyone so to watch. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're not
4: doing a public program of any sort. It would no. be amazing to watch that in real life. Yeah.
1: You're like think... a torture <laughs> yeah, It's totally torturous. I think doing it once uh, was enough for yeah. them. Yeah, okay. Mm. We've got,
4: there are plenty of public programs, though. There's Giselle Stanborough is doing a talk for
1: four hours, I believe. She's doing a durational performance lecture as part of Art Month on the 28th of March from 4 to 8pm. And what's she doing? Uh, she's... She's she's doing a, um, a durational performance lecture she's done before uh, called Lozine, Find the Lover You Deserve. Oh, yes. Um, and it looks at how... That
4: won't disappoint, that one. Was, no. It was pretty incredible, actually. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Um, it looks at how technology has colonised our social activities um, and changed our intimate relationships, much in the same sort of vein as Roslyn Helper's work and Brian Fowarder's work in the show as well so that's really worthwhile dropping by and seeing it and the show will be open that night as well
4: And what's another highlight in the public programs?
1: Another highlight for me in the public programs is we've partnered with the Golden Age um, to do a sort of related film screening for each of our shows this year and the first screening is David Cronenberg's Videodrome with James Mm. Woods and Mm. Deborah Harry Um, and it looks at uh, woods and harry's characters becoming obsessed with this sort of sadomasochistic television show videodrome um and the the spiraling down of of their worlds because of it um but it's classic cronenberg it's kind mm. of kitchen and scary and dark and sexy and silly so please come along sounds brilliant
3: sounds amazing i've got a question for both of you um which i kind of talked about a bit before we started um, the interview, but, you know, as artists and curators, we're kind of, and everyone else in between, um, (laughs) between artists and curators, um, we're in this sort of, I don't like using the word, like, post-technology, but after-technology kind of phase. It's not really a question of whether technology will affect arts and creation and dissemination, but rather what do you feel the new pathways will kind of look like that are being aided by technology? Because we look at our phones and they aren't necessarily, they're more extensions and prosthetics of how we use to communicate to other people, I guess. (laughs) If there's even a way to answer that or think about that.
1: I think um, one of the interesting things about the relationship between art practice and technology is artists are often the first to embrace new technologies and and explore them, um, rework them. Um, but they're often the first to critique them as well. Mm-hmm. So art, art artist practice and work is a great place to consider the implications of technology and the ethical dimensions of, of technologies. Um, yeah. Akil? Um, yeah, I
2: think that like what you're talking about, like adoption of technology, I think is like, uh, don't know something uh i guess like like the like the people that are being the first ones to adopt it. i think is like a like i don't think about like i just use it
3: yeah it just becomes like Mm.
2: it's just like something that you use like you say something and And you're you're like like, i wonder if i can
1: use this in art (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: um yeah you just kind of like pick something up and like figure out what to do with that?
1: It's very insidious, yeah. as we all know. <laughs> I'm on my phone right now.
2: As <laughs> most good things are. Thank
4: you so much for coming in. Uh, that was Akil Ahmed and Stella MacDonald talking about After Technology, which opens at UTS Gallery on the 26th of February. Uh, we're going straight to another track from Jan Terry. This is Olivia Newton John with Have You Ever Been Mellow?
3: I just heard from Australia's sweetheart from the 70s, Olivia Newton-John, with her track Have You Ever Been Mellow, released in 1975. Um, the first record I ever owned as a child was Olivia Newton-John's physical um, which I didn't actually like the song. I just knew the name because she was in Greece. And then I bought it, and I also liked that she was wearing really cool leg warmers in the picture. So, yeah, that was that song was picked by Jan Terry, our music curator for this week. Oh, I'm Sibella D'Souza, and you're listening to Canvas on FBI Radio 94.5. Um, but enough about Olivia. We're joined right now um, by curator Sebastian Henry-Jones and artist J.D. Reformer, two of Canvas's kind of alumni by now. Um, Seb, you were actually on the first episode of Canvas in 2018 talking about Desire Lines, which was my first time ever producing a show at FBI Radio. So I like that I've kept this tradition going (laughs) unintentionally. (laughs) Um, And if you don't know him like we just... um, Sebastian Henry Jones is a curator based in Sydney um, where he continues to learn his trade. He's the co-founder of Desire Lines, a semi-regular art series also in Sydney. Do you want to... Do you want to introduce J.D.? Because so, like, uh, I feel like I've been
4: talking for 10 minutes. <laughs> J.D. is an interdisciplinary inter- artist whose work engages in both popular culture and cultural critique. Collecting, collaging narratives of both mainstream and diasporic.
3: Yeah. Is that the word? Yeah,
4: diaspora. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's,
3: I actually never know whether it's diaspora or diaspora. Um.
0: Right.
4: Well, Do you know J.D.?
3: Yeah.
0: I,
4: you I, use it
3: in your bio, so you better. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I os- oscillate, be- oscillate? <laughs> os- oscillate between diasporic and diaspora. And <laughs> yeah, so. Let's
3: bring in some more ways yeah. <laughs> to pronounce these words. <laughs>
0: and it unpacks cultural shame, which
4: we'll get to later. Sure.
3: Thank you. Um, (laughs) you. (laughs) Um, Seb, I wanted to ask you kind of straight off the bat why you wanted to focus on strategies of communication for this exhibition. Yeah. Like, I read a a bit about it, and I know that there's quite a lot of um, text throughout all the works. Um, You know, from, uh, like, see Powell's, obviously, uh, it's the projector screen cutter, is that? Yep. Yep. And then there's also, you know, even text in that, roundup like script that's connected to
5: the, the plaster, yeah, the plaster.
3: and even the like hanging of the like it feels good to be on top there's yeah. little bits of text throughout it so
5: yeah. yeah so i guess i wanted to focus on these i guess for the show i wanted to touch on like this very like i don't know i wanted to create like a very tender space or like something that was very sincere because i felt like you know sincere communication is probably the best kind of communication and thinking about the potential that this kind of, like, um, way of being with other people um, can allow for, like, new relationships to form around, like, a shared understanding of the past or, like, you know, ideas about reconciliation, and that kind of thing.
4: And, J.D., your work has quite a huge presence in the exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made up of over a 100... Pictures. Can you tell us where they came from?
0: <laughs> There's over 250 pictures. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I um, got them, borrowed them from uh, Britney Spears's Instagram page. They're all of the motivational and inspirational text, sort of based. Images that she's ever posted to Instagram. Is she resharing these images? They exist already? I think they're just in her newsfeed and she's resharing them. Wow. She does... I don't or, she's she, Yeah. She doesn't...
4: <laughs> she, might she have an app. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She
0: does use the app. She's often even re, reposts herself, okay. which I find really interesting.
3: Um, I so, love yeah. the, like, choice of those images because mm. I think... They really remind me of, like, MSN um, profile picture, like those yeah. where you used to just have a profile picture that had, like, I'm not a normal girl. Right. <laughs> I wear Converse shoes or something like that. <laughs> that kind of 2001... Patina.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it does, it's a patina because it's... Um, she's... I... It's kind of like she hasn't really left MSN. No. Um, and all of the images that she is really drawn to are this, for us, like, really resy like, low res and poor quality images, it's kind of like this really naive and sincere, speaking of, Mm. engagement in social media.
3: I, 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 yes. Um, I also think it's really interesting because I was listening to someone talk about um, celebrities' use of social media, Mm. um, to call on a tangent, um is this kind of weird thing because most of them don't manage their own social media and so when they do manage their Mm. own social media you look at someone like Cher Mm. who like just tweets but like there's like like full stops in the middle of your conversations and things like that um and it's kind of interesting to think that where people that are growing up with technology or living in in alongside technology Mm -hmm. um and then there are people who are like celebrities who actually have never really managed a social media account by themselves in their lives. And when they do, it's this weird kind of eclectic mm. yeah. uh, blast from 2001 kind of vibes. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Like whenever you see a sort of like a full stop in Cher's tweets or like a um or a really low res J- JPEG from printing Spears, you can kind of see like the eyes blinking from behind the machine. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's like, oh, they're there. They're in there. Yeah, they're <laughs> there, yeah. there. It's, yeah.
3: it's, it's a, a, a sincerity and an yeah. authenticity, which mm. kind of goes mm. back to the exhibition itself. There's my tie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, Seb, this show really carries um, a lot of weight through its curation, and I think you've yeah. done a really amazing job. Um, it is really, really beautiful. And I was reading your statement the other day um, about the text, and I, I guess yeah. I wanted... J- to ask you because there is in fact a reading nook or like mm-hmm. area. Um, what are some of the texts that you've chosen and why?
5: Yeah, so some of the texts in that um, like little library that I made have been suggested by the artists in the show, and then some of the books have actually been um, borrowed from the library at Front Yard. Um, so Front Yard's a space in Marrickville, and they have a library which is was originally the um, library of the Australia Councils. Mm. It was deaccessioned, and what was left of it after a few sales is is in this space. And I really like the idea of you know using remnants or like using what we have as a means of communicating um, and so having these these books in the in the space, I don't know like it there's a bit of tension for me because you know putting books in a gallery space is a pretty weird move like no one's really gonna have the time just to, to like go through all of them, but it's, it's this idea that um you know you might have a look through and Having all the reading that informed my decisions in the show is a really important thing, I think.
3: No, and I think for lots of shows, like I've been finding more and more, even as someone who's interviewing artists, I do kind of go out of my way now to ask people what exactly they're reading in the lead up to whatever event they're doing, because you can actually—it's as interesting as it is to talk about the art. It's also very interesting to talk about the feelings and the sure. and the attempts to communicate something like that in itself is really really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I felt that in this show, which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. I also wanted to ask you about um, Trinity Min, her, yeah. and how you got her involved in...
5: Yeah, a lot of people have been asking me Essentially, I just sent her an email. Yeah,
3: literally. I was talking to my friend last night. And yeah. She was like, can you ask Seb if you, <laughs> if, if you just emailed her? Like, this, did that work? Yeah, I just,
5: like, <laughs> cold contacted her. And, like, she's a um, lecturer at Berkeley. I mean, I found her email through that and, you know, she just responded really positive. She was like, oh my God, I can't believe like someone actually wants to screen this film. And then she like directed (laughs) me towards the um, film distributors in New York and like set up a little conversation between me and them. That's amazing. And then we just went from there. But yeah, I'd like been reading her work for about a year before I started writing the proposal for the exhibition. And especially her writing in Women, Native, Other Mm -hmm. um, really informed like the tone that I was trying to achieve with the show.
4: And what film of hers are you showing?
5: Yeah, so it's called Surname Viet Given Name Nam. It's like documentary style. Um, There's a huge plot twist, which I guess I won't talk about because I'm yet to screen the film.
3: (laughs) Just (laughs) (laughs) spoiling your own show, Seb.
5: (laughs) But essentially it's like how we rely on, you know, things like um, writing or like institutional forms of, of um, knowledge, like a documentary, for example, in regards to like our idea of truth, um, particularly like truths about someone's identity. So yeah, it's essentially a film about the strength of like Vietnamese women. Mm. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And it's
4: all archival footage, is that right? Or
5: some has been like shot by um, Minha herself in collaboration with actors and actresses. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of archival footage. Mm.
3: Um, with that in mind, let's quickly go to our next track. Um, this is Sentimentality at its finest. You belong with me, Taylor Swift. It's hard to believe you're <laughs> listening to FBI radio right now. Um, I'm Isabella D'Souza and you're listening to Canvas.
1: You're on the phone with your girlfriend. She's upset. She's going off about something that you said. She doesn't get your humour like.
3: last from the 2008 past that was Taylor Swift, You Belong With Me from her album Fearless yes this is FBI Radio (laughs) 94.5 you haven't changed your dial Um, we're in studio right now with Sebastian Henry Jones and JD Reformer
4: hello we're going to talk to JD a lot about Britney Spears so if you've just tuned in JD has made over 200 images printed off 200 images of posts on Britney Spears' Facebook Instagram I believe. Account, yeah. Instagram account. Um, do you think that all these mantras that, that uh Brittany has printed uh have more impact on you and fans alike because it's really been curated by Spears. Like she's physically put that out into into the social medias.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um it's sort of like a similar effect as having a good friend like recommend music to you. Um, it kind of endears you to the work, but also with Brittany, ever since I think, I mean, in the context of her artistry, her practice itself, but also since her sort of 2007 meltdown, mm. there's been this kind of like really intense focus on her presence and her authorship and her yeah, her presence in her work.
3: And her wellness as well. And, and her, her wellness, yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Which people are really ex- invested in her wellness, which yeah. I find really, like, warming and endearing about her fan base.
3: Especially the way that that narrative kind of shift from 2007, which was, like, meltdown and people making jokes about it. Yeah. And then to now people being, like, actually to be in the public eye and have to go through something yeah. so painful. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, and then try and reconstruct that, and everyone's just very here for it. Yeah, <laughs> like-, like if I can,
0: su- if Brittany can survive two thousand and seven, yeah. I can get through two thousand and nineteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And we've talked a lot about sincerity, and do you do you ever find there's glimpses of sincerity with,
4: or do you think it's all very sincere with Brittany?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I do. I do. I I have like a really earnest love for her, and I do mm. think that is because she is quite. Authentic and naive, and in a way, um, two thousand since two thousand and seven it's like that. I feel there's more of a sincerity since then because mm. prior to that, she was very much controlled. Yeah, her she image started was highly off controlled, very young. And orchestrated. Yeah. And do you feel
4: like you have got a sense of watching her grow up, and like sort of like the the
0: film Crossroads, but <laughs> which Britney stars yeah. in, but in a real way. Yeah. I think we've yeah. gotten a real sense that a woman has grown up. I don't know if that woman is Britney Spears necessarily because up until a point, her image was so orchestrated. You know, she was a virgin and then she was a sex kitten and then she's a mother and then she's a... a mental, painting
3: on a patio.
0: A painting on a patio in a <laughs> she's beautiful... She's you know? <laughs> a like, Yeah, no, she's an artist. <laughs> recording artist to artist, that's the goal. We should
3: get her on canvas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would
3: love that. Do you...
0: Um, do you ever
4: think about what her recovery looked like after the 2007 mm.
0: breakdown? Um, yeah, I do. I think you can get glimpses of, of it through her social media presence in a way and the way she presents her interests. I think she um, she's like really well known for how much she reads. She reads like three or four books what a week. What does she read, really? Yeah, she reads about three or four books a week. And um, they're mostly kind of like Jackie Collins kind of novels. Um, but but they're often about you know women overcoming adversity and or yeah women struggling through. And do you ever
4: think about her mental state now and what that looks like?
0: Yeah, I do. I think that she, I mean right now she's taking a break from Instagram because her father is really unwell, so she hasn't posted since like mid January. I think she is really th- the sole presence behind Instagram, apart from her occasional like perfume ads and stuff. But. She do, it, there's a pace and inconsistency to her content, which gives you the sense that mm. um, sh- her mental presence and her mental well-being comes before her public image. And what do you, JD, have most in common with Britney? <laughs> <laughs> That's what <laughs> I want to know. Um, our voice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do I have most in common with Britney Spears? I think would be um, a sense of
5: humour. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would also say your humanity, like that's one thing that comes across in this artwork you've made, is like the humanity of Britney Spears. Oh, uh, yeah, that's really yeah. Nice.
3: I guess I, I wanted to ask you, Seb, about how you found curating all of these kinds of mm-hmm. very vastly different works in some ways, but then that kind of tangential text that, and sincerity and um, trying to convey something pulled it all together. How did you kind of approach yeah, the curation? Yeah, sure.
5: I wanted to make an exhibition where, like, these feelings were more palpable than, like, visually represented. Because I think, like, when you have a situation where, like, each artwork has to stand for, like, or has to be, like, evidence of, like, a particular artist's, like, subjectivity or, like, the, their true inclination, like, then it's a very reductive way of thinking about the function of art. Um, whereas when you have a, something that's, like, where these feelings are palpable, um, you know, it almost becomes, like, a physical thing or, like, the show becomes a lot more interesting and the works are allowed to talk to each other, um, speak to other experiences. And it's this like, I guess the way that um, different stories can intersect was like one of the main things in the show, yeah.
3: And I also found that like your curation of the show, there is like, you give each space to the artist kinds of work. And it's hard in first draft because there, there is a limited amount of space that you could have mm. to show works, but I think you've done it really well. Um, and I think that that kind of space around each object does, convey a sort of longing yeah and kind of communication and miscommunication so yeah good in- <laughs> thank you very much
5: <laughs> interesting and interestingly enough that was like pretty much artist-led yeah so i like approached most of the people who i wanted to be in the show and i said you know you can take this opportunity to do whatever you want to do like how does it suit your needs or like what what you've been thinking about lately and i don't know everyone just came back to me with like the perfect Idea and how they were going to install it and where it was going to go. So it was like super easy.
3: JD, can you confirm this? (laughs) I can
5: neither confirm nor (laughs) deny. I've
3: got one last question. Um, It's mainly for JD, but you can chime in. Um, It is because you tell us a bit about keeping up with the KPIs, (laughs) (laughs) which (laughs) is JD's um, Kim Kardashian, the Kardashian family esque uh, satirical meme mm-hmm. account, which kind of takes shots at the Sydney arts culture. <laughs> yeah,
0: and the arts culture worldwide. Worldwide. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we're taking this worldwide. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, it, it is that. I um, I think as many people are, are very immersed in the world of the Kardashian and the Jenna clan with a K. Um, so, and I've also had a very, like... Uh, Diverse sort of background in the arts. I'm an artist, I've been a writer, I've curated shows, I've worked in arts institutions and I had all this experience which was kind of like conflicting and confusing and, but funny and I wanted to share it. And um, I think everybody has an idea for an account like this in the art world. Um, because it is such a strange place to inhabit and you encounter so many interesting people. So it's essentially an account where I use images of the Kardashians and the Jenners and the Scots and the Disics, um, to construct kind of um, humorous tableau, um, which lampoons and takes down <laughs> curators, writers, administrators, gallerists, institutions, um, and the point is it's kind of like cathartic for me, but it's also like um everyone is everyone is in in on the joke, I think so um I tend to kind of like uh cross fertilize ideas so it's not totally clear who I'm always talking about mm-hmm. if that's the case um but yeah that's that's it, yeah yeah,
3: well, thank you so much um for joining us um that was Curator Seb Henry Jones and artist JD Reformer talking about "Do You Know This Feeling," which is currently open at First Draft Gallery and will continue to be open until the end of the month. This next track is Barbara Mandell and Mandrell um, single "Sleeping Single in a in a Double Bed." Um, this all these tracks today have been picked by Jan Terry, legendary Jan Terry, um, and you're listening to Canvas on FBI Radio 94.5.
5: Single in a double bed, it over things I wish I'd say. I should have held
0: you, but I let you go. Now I'm the one sleeping all alone. Whoa.
5: Sleeping single in a double bed,
1: tossing, turning, trying
4: just to swim to the 1978 track Sleeping Single in a Double Bed from American country music singer, musician, and actress Barbara Ann Mandrell. I'm David Capra, and we got an interesting text about Taylor Swift.
3: Yeah, we got a really interesting text about Taylor Swift. Someone was a bit upset that we had played Taylor Swift um, and saying that there's, you know, other songs we could have played. And while we do agree, our music is curated by the legendary Jan Terry, and we are abiding by her rules. So take it up with Jan. Take it up with Jan. Um, We love you, Jan. Thank you for (laughs) choosing our songs. Um, This is the part of the show where we talk about what we're looking forward to next week. Um, and I guess I'm going to start. In theme with today's kind of conversations around technology and social media, mm. I'm part of a talk, self-plug, sorry, warning. Um, I'm part of a talk at Verge Gallery called Empire of Mind, Internet Company's Influence on Culture, which is on Thursday. I'm speaking on, on a panel with a lot of highly qualified people, way more qualified than myself, um, like Johnny Liu, Dr. Ames, Spinbert Peng, and Justin Balmain, and Ariel Boogle. Um, and I'm shocked, as you are, to be on this panel, but I'm really excited. I've been reading up do about... Do you know
4: what you're going to say?
3: No. Um, <laughs> I've got some readings that I have to do to make sure that I'm, you know, Verge gallery ready. I think what I'm... I'm probably going to talk about Amazon a bit and the weird kind of automation of youtube videos yes um something strange is happening on the internet isn't really really good article but if you haven't read it's about the automation of children's videos on youtube and it's kind of creepy Mm.
4: yeah what's the main points about that
3: (laughs) um just that the ways in which um content is created for children is automated and so that it picks up sometimes inappropriate And sinister things, right? Um, And then is like, um, and you know, you hand a kid an iPad, they look at YouTube, which is fine. Like, it's a different way to get, you know, stimulus and all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting looking at how this content is regulated, um, and whether and that kind of content is not necessarily being regulated.
4: Sounds like a good panel.
3: Yeah, I'm really excited.
4: Well, we'd like to thank you for listening, and our special. Uh, thanks to our guest, J.D. Reformer, Akil Ahamat, and Stella MacDonald, and Sebast- Sebastian Henry-Jones, for a very first special episode of 2019.
3: Oh, yep, I'm um, sorry, I think my song's just stuffed up at the second, so I'm just doing that.
4: Reshuffling.
3: Reshuffling. Um...
4: Canvas is yes. brought to you by <laughs> you. a team of artists, David Capra and Sibella de Souza. Our guest, our very special guest, legendary cult classic Jan Terry, has been doing the music for us. I can't wait for next week, and be sure to listen back to the tracks for, uh, for from FBI Radio programs and Canvas to have a look at all songs we play today. This track is from Jan herself, "Journey to Mars" off her album High Risk, released a year before I was born okay.
3: 1994 oh, that was me yeah re- so it was really-
4: I wish I was born in 1994
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this podcast is produced by FBI radio in Sydney find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts